We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays, because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void or prohibited. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, November 17th. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. Uh, we're going to talk a little more college basketball on the podcast today uh, as it relates more so to the NBA draft. Uh, James wrote a piece on rotowire.com that went up uh, yesterday, uh, kind of scouting all the prospects from the Kansas Duke matchup uh, in the Champions Classic on Tuesday. So we'll talk a little bit about that game. We'll touch on the Kentucky-Michigan State game, uh, also on Tuesday night. That one was a bit of a blowout. Didn't really get too many takeaways there, but uh, a lot of prospects were in action on Tuesday night. A lot of prospects were in action around college basketball uh, through this first week. Um, so I guess we'll start with the article. We'll, we'll get into some other more specific draft-related things as we go on. Um, but you kind of went through, and, and of course you can read the article on rotowire.com, and you kind of went player by player, 
um, in terms of guys who are on the NBA radar for both teams. Uh, and you started with Josh Jackson, who who got the most attention in the article, and, and rightfully so. Yeah, he uh, he had an interesting game just because he was in foul trouble for most of the night. Uh, still was was pretty excellent whenever he was out there. Just hard to really see any flaws in his game, especially when you kind of project ahead a couple of years. It's it's really hard to sort of see where he's going to have uh, struggles. Um, you know, excellent at scoring in the half court. If he, if he's being guarded one on one, there's just nobody that's really quick enough to to stay in front of him, especially if he gets ahead of steam. Uh, incredibly bouncy, kind of reminds me of of Andrew Wiggins in that I way. you're going to say me, but yeah, <laughs> where it's just like instantaneous like just off the ground uh and and you know there's a, there was a play i uh, put video in of, of him getting a, a quick turnaround uh sort of hook i guess uh, off and it's just you know canard for duke just has has no chance uh athletically he's just gonna dominate uh, against most most players that, that try to guard him this year um really really smooth and finishing with one hand either hand kind of around the rim uh, the jump shot, the the form isn't all that great, but the fact that he's comfortable with it uh, from NBA range, pulling up uh, off the dribble, you know, I, I'd say he's he's kind of ahead of schedule with his jump shot, just relative to, to like how how many tools he has athletically. I think a lot of the the type of prospects like that, especially on the wing, take you know a couple years before they even. Uh, comfortably shoot the three-point shot and and he's already there uh would would expect him to enter the nba as a rookie kind of shooting in the 32 34 percent range maybe mm. which isn't amazing but uh given how athletic he is you know if he if he enters kind of shooting even just 30 32 percent then i think you can safely project him to get to 36 37 38 percent in his prime years and that's that's really kind of all he needs to do is, is just keep teams honest because if they have to respect him, uh, then the pump fake becomes a, a huge weapon for him. He missed all four of his free throw attempts in this game, so that's kind of something to track. He made his only two uh, free throw attempts in, in their previous game against Indiana, so I don't really see any reason why he wouldn't end up being at least like a 75% shooter from the line, but that's, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, the only other thing that sort of stood out to me as maybe a, a negative is his reaction to, to getting those fouls called on him. It wasn't – it was a little Boogie Cousins-esque in terms of just how, you know, kind of whiny it sort of seemed. Like, not, not to even – To be fair, that game was officiated way too closely. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. Yeah, he, he, he did end up falling out, and, yeah, I mean, there was there was some reaction. And, well, and so he, has, he gets a T – because he slaps the ball, it's a dead ball, and he slaps it out of a Duke player's hand. He gets teed up. That's I don't really care. I mean, like it's he's he's still a kid. Like you got to remember that with all these guys. Uh, he'll obviously Bill Self will talk to him about that. It probably won't ever happen again. Uh, I wouldn't even mind as much if he was kind of arguing or sort of pleading his case with the officials in in just the way that you usually see players do it. But it was just sort of more of a like. You know, he he was just really sad and whiny. It was like, more whiny bench. than complaining, like, and it was sort of sense, to his yeah. teammates too. Right. You know, like that's almost. I mean, I I would just. Well, I, I think it's I difficult think, for a guy who comes in as like you know the number right. one recruiter, consensus top three, depending on who you ask. Like, I don't think 
I don't think he probably ever really followed out of games, you know? Yeah. You, and, and I, I just, I'm not even dinging him for that. It's just along with the, the free throw shooting, something I would, you know, in February and March, I would like to see him be a bit mm-hmm. more composed out and there. I think he will be. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not super worried about right. it, but that was the only really negative takeaway I had. Did, did you really see anything that that's going to stop him from having success at the next level? No, I mean, like you said, he only played 18 minutes. So 15 points in 18 minutes looks great. Seven of nine shooting, did most of his work around the rim, hit one of two threes, you know, the free throws, whatever. I think he'll be fine there. This is just, you know, playing in Madison Square Garden in your second career college game. Um, you know, didn't rebound overly well, but again, it's tough to really get a gauge in, in only 18 minutes. Uh, the thing about Jackson, you know, he's he's gotten all of the comparisons that you get as a bouncy six eight wing. You know, I've heard Paul George, I've heard Tracy McGrady, um, Andrew Wiggins, of course, is kind of the obvious one with the Kansas connection. I think he's more similar to Andrew Wiggins, really, than than I than I had thought. I thought he was a little bit smoother, you know, in watching his high school film than Wiggins was. Wiggins probably an even more explosive athlete, which is saying a lot because Jackson's an insane athlete. Uh, but I think Jackson's a little bit slighter in terms of frame at this point in his career. He's just over 200 pounds at 6'8". Obviously, he'll add on weight as uh, as he goes. But I could kind of see him having a Wiggins-type year where there are some games where he'll only have you know eight points and only take seven or eight shots. And part of that is because he's playing with Frank Mason and Devontae Graham, who are great veteran players who are going to take a lot of shots. Yeah, it's I don't really want to get into you know pigeonholing him with a, a specific comp this early, but I mean you see similar like just bits and pieces of similarities with a lot of guys. Uh Wiggins I think in terms of his body, I, I definitely see uh some comparisons there. I think he's a, a bit more assertive with the ball than Wiggins was as a freshman. Uh and and I think a bit more willing defensively uh you know obviously like you said 18 minutes didn't have a ton of chances but incredibly quick twitch like in the passing lanes um i i think there's to me just physically and uh just where like the way his three-point shot looked kind of reminded me a little bit of of Kawhi Leonard when when Kawhi Leonard was was in college mm-hmm. uh he's a better athlete than than Leonard obviously he's but, further, much further along at this point in his yeah, career than Leonard was yeah. too uh I mean that's I'm not throwing a, a Kawhi Leonard comp on him but that's that's sort of the type of developmental road I'd like to see him go down where he really embraces being a two-way player I think when when a guy like that is is gifted with that much natural athleticism, it's really a shame when they don't put it to use on both ends. So I think that's that's something I'd, I'd really hope that he he continues to to refine. Mm-hmm. I think he's smoother than Wiggins too. Um, if we, you know if we want to stick with pigeonholing him with that, I think like in the open court, you like he just he kind of glides a right. little bit more. Like Wiggins still to this day is very. You know, everything's kind of a direct cut, you know, in like mm-hmm. a Z type of shape. Whereas with Jackson, he can kind of weave a little bit yep. more. He's more comfortable going left, I think, than Wiggins definitely his, was as a freshman. His ability to to uh, dribble and finish with both hands, mm-hmm. I think, is, is really impressive at this stage. Uh, I was listening to a pod. I want to say it was the Ringer podcast um, with, with Frazier and what's his Mark Titus last night. And they were talking about Devonte Graham and pretty much summed it up. And there's a lot. It feels like every year there's ten of these guys across college basketball. It's like. You can't really say what's wrong with Devontae Graham when you talk NBA. It's like, yeah, he's a little bit small, but he's 6'2". Like, it's not terrible. But he's just one of those guys that you just know is going to have a hard time making it in the NBA, even though he's a great, great college player. I think he's going to carve out uh, 
you know, at least like a four or five year career as a backup guard, mm-hmm. uh, probably a backup point guard. It's it's just, I mean, it's obvious to why why he's not that appealing at the next level. It's it's because he's a natural. To me, he's a natural two guard who's in a point guard's right. body. Uh, there's just a billion <laughs> billions of guys like that. Like it seems. Every, well, there's not many that can act. Like Eric Bledsoe is an example of a guy who's just like such a freak athlete, right. strength and yeah. athleticism I mean, wise. That like he can do it. But if you're not that type of athlete, it's really hard. I just mean at like the college level. There's right. just there's so many of those guys every single year where it's like you're fine as a 6'2 guy that plays both guard spots in college. Yeah. Like, that, that's totally fine. In the NBA, like, if you're 6'2 and you're playing shooting guard, you better be the longest, most athletic guy that's, that's ever come around, and you better be able to shoot, like, 46% right. from three-point. Uh, otherwise, it just it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. So, to me, he's, he's a backup point guard. Uh, I see, like, it's – uh, I I kind of compared him to um, to Patrick Beverly with like a little less dirtiness and like <laughs> a little less attitude, uh, and and maybe a bit more polish and skill. Like I I think that he could be that type of point guard who really or maybe even like a poor man's Avery Bradley, where he makes you know the reason he's on the roster is because of his defense against opposing point guards, specifically just absolutely shutting down like the opposing team's backup point guard. Uh, I could see that being sort of his calling card, and he needs to continue to. Uh, he's shot it really well his, his first two seasons. Really needs to keep that uh, three point shooting efficiency in the in the mid forties. I think for it to all work out for him. But uh, a guy that I I love watching in college. I mean, I, to me, the the guy on this team, other than Jackson, who's exciting uh, for the NBA, is LeGerald Vick, who who probably won't. I mean, he played a, a decent amount in this game just because uh, Frank Mason was in foul trouble. But I see the Gerald Vick as sort of being maybe next year's uh, like OG Ananobi, who who kind of people graduate and he he kind of comes in next year and is is maybe the the if not the go to guy like the the second option and really just flies up draft boards and mm-hmm. ends up going in the, the middle of the first round just because he's such a freak athletically and he does have the size to, to profile as a shooting guard at the next level yeah he, he was one of like seven guys on this kansas team that has the like fade into fro look like the entire <laughs> team had like when i turned that game i'm like oh yeah. no i'm not gonna be able to keep any of these guys straight um i love the jackson's got even more of a fro than than anybody i mean it's it's close to josh childress levels and i don't throw that term around lightly <laughs> it's not quite bembry um, well, look at, let's look at the Duke side. Um, you know, we can talk about Frank Jackson, but he's kind of in the same light as Devonte Graham. You know, to me, great college player. You just kind of know there are limitations there. But Duke, without three of the best players from that uh, star-studded well, freshman class, what do you what do you see as like the limitations with Graham? I, yeah, no, with Frank Jackson. Oh, with Frank Mason. Oh, oh, oh! I thought you Frank Mason. About, oh, no, yeah, sorry. No, I, I kind Mason, of I kind of went back and forth. Frank there. Mason's no. not going to play in the NBA. No, I well, I, he's, I again, he's just one of those guys. Like Graham has. There's more, a problem if you're playing at a school like, like Kansas and you're still in school as a junior Gra- or a senior. Yeah, Graham to me will play in the NBA. I not in like a major right. role, but he will play. Like, I mean, Frank Mason could be like a Yogi Ferrell guy, where it's I, like, oh, he gets a he gets like a two month cup of coffee with the with the I, Nets. Maybe, maybe. If that's he's a, lucky, that's the ceiling, yeah, you know? Exactly. Right. Like, like I think Graham could have a multi year career as a as a 
bench guard, whereas Mason's just a, a nothing mm-hmm. for pro terms. All right, let's talk about Duke. Uh, as we said, there's foul trouble all over this game. I mean, Duke had one, two, four players with at least four fouls. Kansas had Jackson foul out. They had four more players with four fouls. The game was slowed down. It was kind of amazing, really, uh, that that it got to 77 points with as many stoppages as there were. And, you know, with the athleticism and the, the ability to run for both of these teams. But Duke only played seven players. They basically played six. You know, uh, you know Delorier came in for, like, less than a minute. It was basically a six-man rotation. They're without Harry Giles. They're without Jason Tatum. They're without Marcus Bolden. That meant we saw a lot of Chase Jeter, who was interesting you uh you can enjoy kinda, his playing time right now right i think you could kind of see why he had a really really hard time ever seeing the floor last year um you know like the athleticism's there the the skills you can kind of see are there but like he just did not look ready he's a stiff like it's just he he looks like uh when you're getting ready for like the opening tip and you kind of look around at, at everyone you're like oh he might be interesting right and then once you once the the action starts then you're just like oh never mind yeah one of one of our colleagues said to me yesterday that he's like he would be so awesome at like a mid-major school but he does not belong at duke yeah for sure or just in the big 10 sure or in agc yeah well well, that works too if he if if like chase jeter goes to purdue for four years he's dominating in the big 10 by his fourth year yeah, we'll talk about Purdue later. I got, I got, I got some Purdue thoughts for you, but t- tell me about Duke. So, the, of these six players, basically that we saw for Duke, Boilermaker yeah. teaser. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of a lot of Boilermaker <laughs> fanatics listening to this. Uh, Grayson Allen's obviously the star for Duke. Uh, Could have came out and been, you know, maybe a late lottery pick at best last year. He's he's just one of those guys that you don't see, you know, barring just a crazy, crazy uh junior season from him it's hard to imagine him like really climbing you know higher than like eight or nine at you know the absolute highest just because there's some limitations there but he didn't have a great game in this one he it looked like he dealt with some cramps he yeah he he left the game he was in and out uh finished with 12 points four of 15 shooting one of seven for three um but i mean you could tell when he was on the court he was the heart and soul you know of this duke team as he was last year yeah i mean he he was sort of the the emotional leader i guess you could say but i i think he's at a weird spot on this duke team where guys like luke Kennard and and frank jackson have have caught up to him or, i mean Kennard's caught up to him jackson's on the team now and i look at those three guards they're basically to me i mean at least they're all being used sort of in the same way where they're basically three shooting guards and you know, Allen and Kennard have kind of been taking the the ball handling du- duties for now, but Jackson probably gets a bigger share of that as the season goes on. I don't really see Allen as the clear best guy of those three, and you know, he 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 probably will end up with the the best numbers of the three at the end of the year because I think he's you know that that comfortable in the offense and and people are going to defer to him. But to me, it's 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 going to be interesting to sort of see how the season plays out for him because I could see a scenario where he sort of has a Denzel Valentine type of year and plays his way into the middle of the first round. I could also see a scenario, though, where, you know, his his lack of lateral quickness sort of gets exposed on defense. Uh, he doesn't impress in, in scenarios where he's asked to really handle the ball and, and initiate the offense, and he falls out of the first round altogether. So I, I think that this is a, a huge year for him to sort of prove that mm-hmm. he is a first-round caliber player. It, it, it is interesting, you know, with this class coming in and him kind of being, you know, the incumbent go-to guy when you have, you know, three other players in this lineup that could end up going ahead of him in the draft. It's going to be an odd dynamic. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I think his stock is just fairly safe in the mid to late first round. You know, I think if he just has another year, like he did last year, he's probably not going to hurt himself all that much, but he can't really help himself. I think he's much. definitely going to go in the top 40, but yeah. I, I don't, I do see a scenario where he falls out of the first sure. round. All right. So Matt Jones, uh, not a big NBA prospect necessarily, but he played the entire game for Duke. Kind of one of those just like Coach K guys who he just have loves having in there. Jones. Uh, but Frank Jackson, uh, one of the, one of the yeah. freshmen, Played 30 minutes off the bench, 11 points, three rebounds, uh, didn't have an assist, turned it over twice, took only five shots. Two of those were threes, one of them late in the game that, that tied this game. Well, he had two huge threes yeah. late. That like The only reason this was a game late was because he right. made two. Kansas made... should have ran away with this game right. earlier in the second half, and you know they ended up letting Duke sneak back in. And, uh, and again, if, yeah, Frank Jackson, two, two big threes late in the second if, half. If like, you didn't know anything about this Duke team, you'd never seen them play before, you didn't know who any of their – you know, incoming freshmen were, and you were just watching like the final five minutes of that game. Like to me, I would have looked at Frank Jackson, and I would have thought that he had been like a, a junior or a senior that had just mm-hmm. been there. He was so composed. He even like looks like he's too old to be a freshman. He like does. his body is like fully mature. He weighs more than Josh Jackson. He's six three. Yeah, yeah. Like his, I mean, uh, I've seen him. Labeled at six four, but six three six four. He's easy over two hundred. Uh, really, just that 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 body is is kind of done maturing. That's that's what he's going to look mm-hmm. like pretty much uh, from here on out. And uh, he doesn't have like a baby face at all either. I mean, he he, look, I'm looking at photos. Yeah, he looks like, older than me yeah, by far, like, and like probably you. He's a freshman, and this guy looks like he you know he should be like in his third or fourth NBA season. Uh, I mean, he he looks like as old as like Malcolm Brogdon. He does. He kind of looks like Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Uh, so, you know that that all. I to me that's all good because I mean he's he's a freshman who's was he like nineteen? I mean for me that these are all good signs. Yeah. Uh, he's clearly ready. I mean he uh, is uh, his numbers on the year. He's shooting over fifty percent from the field and from three, and over eighty percent from the line. Um, to me, you know, I, I asked you, I was like, do you think he can play point? Because he's listed everywhere as a point guard, and Duke's not using him at all as a point guard, and they don't have a point guard. So, like, to me, that's that's not a great sign for his ability to play point guard because if you're if you're going to play point guard at the next level and you're a top, what was he, like a top 30 recruit? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I think he was top 20 yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and you're, if you're going to play point guard at the next level, you're a top – 20 recruit you're at duke they don't have a point guard you play 30 minutes in the game you'd think you'd play a little point guard like they're they're yeah using i mean they have Allen like the they ball. have like four guys i mean jones allen Kennard, jackson can all get the ball and go like i think yeah it's a little odd that he didn't play more point guard but i think they just have like a no point guard system where all four of those guys can handle it and they don't need to force it to one guy but don't like okay i yeah i, I get that i i would just as the season goes on i'd like to see him mm-hmm. If if you're gonna make an argument to me that he's gonna play point guard at the next level, I'd like to see him actually playing point guard on this Duke team more because just naturally, if you're playing like pickup hoops, the the guy who's most like a point guard just ends up playing point guard. Like it's right. not he's not just standing in the corner shooting threes like while somebody else else takes the ball up every time. Like mm-hmm. if if there's a natural point guard out there, he's gonna end up playing point guard. And, you know, like, if you're Eric Bledsoe and John Wall's out there, I understand playing off the ball right. if you're a natural point guard. But if there's Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard out there, just two natural shooting guards, 
then you'd think that you would take over mm-hmm. in that in that role. But the thing is, like, I actually think he could play uh, a, a sizable role at the next level, even if he were to be a shooting guard. Because I, I, to me, I see like a lot of Wesley Matthews. Yeah. Uh, the the three point shot is is really solid size wise. I think he can handle. You know, he he might not have the the height of of some of the taller two guards, but you know, physically he's he's going to be able to take any kind of pounding if someone wants to try to back him up I, I think he can handle that mm-hmm. um it, I just I, I really liked what I saw and and I'm seeing where like he's he's listed at certain places in terms of where he, where he might go in the draft uh to me this is a guy that is going to be going in the middle of the first round by the time uh, June rolls around well I was, I was gonna ask you know, like is he what percentage I guess would you say he is to come out like I don't think he's a guaranteed one and done at this point I think he's a guy who could be like a Devin Booker. Obviously, they don't play similarly, but uh-huh. like I don't know if anybody was like, "All right, Devin Booker for sure, one and done." But then you know, come mid season, it was like, "All well, right, this guy's ready." I think he, like, I think he's good enough that he's gonna by the, by the time like you know it's time for him to make that decision, people are gonna be telling him, "Yeah, yeah. you're probably gonna go in the top 20. And I think mm-hmm. at that point he comes out, especially if Duke, like this Duke team at full strength. Should win the national title, right? Well, I think it'll be a lot like that. You know, the Kentucky, the Towns Booker Kentucky team, where the profile of the team, I think, lifted all those guys a little bit. You know, it was like, does Booker go as high as he does if Kentucky's not playing on TV every single night and everybody knows who he is? Like the Duke, this Duke team is going to be very similar once they're back at full strength. Yeah, this is like a. This isn't just your average year preseason number one i mean this is like a special group of this team i mean uh, kansas is awesome they're kansas is probably going to be a top five team when it's all said and done and once jackson gets going they're gonna be a number one seed duke almost beat them without three of what will probably end up being it's like six best players and they played six guys for the entire game and we're in foul trouble right right so uh and like their best player grayson allen had what might be is one of his worst terrible games. Terrible game. And so, Emil Jefferson turned it over seven times and fouled out. Like right. you, they just got like nothing from half the roster and still almost. You're won. gonna flash forward to February and Frank Jackson, who we just got done pumping the hell out of, is gonna be playing 24, 25 minutes a game. Uh, on most teams, he would be playing like 35 yeah. minutes a game, and you know. Whoever their sixth and seventh meant, like Emil Jefferson's going to be playing like twenty minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're so loaded. Uh, we can talk about Luke Kennard really quick. He, I I hit you up after the game, and I was like, I I really like Luke Kennard. Like I don't I don't know what that says about me, but I I like him. <laughs> Uh, and you're like, yeah, I like him. Too. I love Luke. Kennard, I, I yeah. mean, he's he's such a Duke guy. One. Well, so he looks like a Duke guy. But I think he's way more skilled and would be way more fun to play with than your typical, like, Paulish, Shire, like, those types. Singler. To me, he's even more skilled than Singler just because of how good of a shooter he is. I mean, he's one of the best shooters in the country. He's a better shooter right. than Grayson Allen. I think he does all the things Singler did, but he's, like, a 5% better three-point shooter. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, for sure. And And, like, so Singler... And to this day, this is a problem for him. He's just such a tweener where he's kind of a, a small forward, I guess. But it's there's he's not a small forward in the NBA, really. And to me, Kennard is he's listed someplace at six six, probably closer to six five. Uh, 
still like he shoots it well enough where I think you know worst case scenario he's a he's a shooting guard that comes off the bench and, and plays you know eighteen twenty minutes a game knocks down a bunch of threes occasionally runs a little offense but uh, he's he's tall enough where he he definitely doesn't have to become a a, mm-hmm. a true point guard to to make it in the league no of course not. I think he's a pretty natural too and you know as a as a white guy he's basically kind of limited as far as like what you're gonna uh you know what what his ceiling is but like he could be i think a really good rotational you know maybe not a reddick type because i don't think he can fly around screens and and just kind of all around score quite at that level but you know those that type of player a guy who can easily fit in with any team you know you're not going to say like oh luke Kennard's not a good fit with them like he's he's a guy that any team would want right and he is one of those guys who it just is so used to Mm. playing with elite elite athletes elite recruits high pedigree guys and still being one of the best right. players on the floor so. what's almost most impressive to me is like he played really really well in this game and it's like if you were just watching casually you probably wouldn't have known it and like this is how it was for so much of last year too like he doesn't need the ball like Grayson no. Allen needs to like dominate possessions right. and yeah. force his way like Canardo exactly. just like quietly splash a three here quietly make a nice drive there and all of a sudden by the end of the night he's got 18 points yeah he's in- he's really incredibly good. efficient and yeah. uh to me, one of the re- if this Duke team does win it all, he'll be he'll be a big reason why they do. Yeah. Uh, so real quickly, let's talk uh, Kentucky, Michigan State. We we didn't get to catch this one live uh, as we were playing an absolutely horrific game of intramural basketball uh, at that point. Uh, maybe the worst floor on which I've ever played a basketball game. Uh, kind of lucky that no one got I mean, hurt. About as good a floor as we deserve. To, to be, <laughs> very to be very true. Um, but Kentucky. Uh, Speaking of floors, wiped the floor with Michigan State, 69, thanks, 48. Uh, This was a rough one for Michigan State. I think think they played really well over the weekend against Arizona. A good Arizona team maybe got inflated a little bit. And now this is a reminder that they lost a bunch from a really good team last year, and they're really young, and they're not quite ready for the talent level of this Kentucky team. No, I mean, this is 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 just not a good – not a good Michigan State Michigan State team at this point in the season, just because of it's it's a unique Michigan State team in, in that they don't have a lot of their upperclassmen that they would have had for for injuries and uh, guys going pro and stuff. So it's it's really that the three of their best players are are freshmen, and that's that's pretty rare for a, mm-hmm. a Michigan State team. Uh, Miles Bridges is really the only reason to watch them right now. Uh, to me, he's the he's the type of guy that's a freshman who people that love college hoops are going to get way too excited about uh, in terms of what he's going to be in the NBA. I feel like this is targeted at me, but continue. And I mean, it to me, he's like a, a guy that's going to go in the teens in the draft. Um, I could be yeah. wrong, but I mean, I think I think people like, especially Big Ten fans that watch him play. Are gonna be like, oh man, is this guy like in the running to go number one? Like, it's like, no, he's he has plays where he looks like he should be, but then he has games like this where he has nine turnovers. He falls in love with the three. He's to me, he's kind of a tweener because I think ideally the way he plays would be maybe best as a small forward. I think he's he's kind of got a shooting guard's body though. Well, he has like a shooting guard's height, a small forward's like size in terms of like width, and then <laughs> yeah. but and yeah, that that doesn't play anywhere. But he he needs to he yeah. needs to like get three inches taller if he wants to be a three. To me, he's like a he's Rudy Gay but two inches shorter, which isn't sure. isn't great. Uh, I mean, he'll he'll get drafted plenty high, and he's gonna 
dominate in the Big Ten for most of yeah. the season. But um, I mean, he he's certainly worth watching. He's a top three athlete in the country. Malik Monk playing on the other side of this game is probably in there too. <laughs> Monk is Monk's a monster. Uh, Monk's another. Actually, those are the two freshmen that I think are going to get the most. From the college basketball yep. watching crowd, like they're gonna be like, man, like what? What's Monk gonna? Is Monk gonna be like an all star in the NBA? Like no, Monk just screams Ben Mclemore to me, like uh, that career arc. Um, I haven't really thought about this, but uh, he's he screams something. He's he's not a. <laughs> He's just a gunner. Like he, he's just a guy that just he just scores, and that's really kind of all he does. He's he's an awesome dunker. He can shoot it uh, from anywhere. Is extremely confident. Will keep shooting regardless of how many have gone in. Uh, seven threes in this game. That's that's obviously the thing everyone's talking about. Seven threes and twenty three points. I mean, that's not all that impressive for a guy with his athleticism. Okay. Uh, but he didn't need to do anything more than that. I mean, they won by twenty one. Uh, the guy that I think is the, the toughest guy to evaluate that, that played in this game, I feel like at least I sort of think I know what Malik Monk and Miles Bridges are. Uh, Darren Fox is tough because I think he – you love a ton of what he does in terms of the speed and the willingness to, to set up his teammates. He gets the, the stupid John Wall comps that, that I don't really like. He's not John Wall. But I don't like the size – or the lack of size, I should say uh, – and and I mean I think if you're going to be that slight, you have to be so good in in the areas of you know passing and shooting. I just I don't know if it's there to me. I think he's he's got like all the tools to be really really good. I, but like you said, I think the size that's what separates him from Wall. Like Wall was a good like two inches taller and probably twenty pounds heavier. Like you could see. Also, I mean, Wall looks like looks now like he did right. at Kentucky. Like, like he was a Wall's freak. Wall's a skinny dude, but not like you know he's skinny in like. NBA terms, but in like point guard, he's six four he's and he, he's got he's got some some wide shoulders. Like mm-hmm. it, it, he doesn't have much body fat, but he, you know, he's not a a meek dude. And and I think I think Aaron Fox kind of is. Yeah, uh, he could definitely stand to gain fifteen twenty pounds, but I don't think he has the type of frame where adding that type of weight is easy mm-hmm. by any stretch. Like even if he's in the NBA. Uh, conditioning and, and weightlifting program it's just not the type of frame that he's going to be able to easily add uh, muscle mass to he's almost got a brandon jennings type of frame yes, yes. where like jennings i think was even skinnier like jennings was crazy skinny you know coming out of high school and he's gotten a little bigger but like he jennings is still you know tiny and it's kind of that type of thing where like clearly the skills are there the speed is there but like at some point when you start running into nba size bodies you can't finish over them like you did in high school just seeing the the clay, the clay thompson coors light uh yeah Thirsty, weird thirsty, right that's yeah that's coming clay. out on the, the tv in the yeah. studio like that, <laughs> who drinks a coors light after a wednesday night win in toronto i i don't hate it we, we were talking uh offline or uh, online but off air about it and you know i i said well it could be worse you could have been drinking a budweiser and you're like oh i'll take budweiser over coors light any day coors light one don't people think coors light is the same as keystone like they think it's the exact same, just in a different bottle. Uh, I think sure, that yeah. theory is out there. I don't yeah. know if I buy it. So I hate Keystone. I really don't like Coors Light. So I would well, by default, I would rather have Budweiser. So I come from a, a beer drinking school of where, like, if I'm going to drink like a, a crappy, you know, get it in a 24 case or a 30 case type of beer, I want it to be like 
basically as light as possible. I, like Miller Lite's probably my go-to in that in that uh, genre of beer, but I'm always going to take like a Coors Light over like an MGD or a Budweiser. Or... You didn't grow up watching NASCAR, did you? <laughs> No, how, how all could right, you well, that it? explains it. Um, That's all you need to hear. I mean, to me, Budweiser is just uh, as disgusting uh, as really anything anything you can buy uh, to drink. Um, so I, I don't mind Clay. Like, okay, you're, you're an NBA player, and you're going to drink a beer after the game. You're not going to drink anything heavy. You're just going to drink. Why do you want a beer in the first place? That's what's weird. Like, it's what not do you that want he's drinking Coors like Light. It's that champagne. He's... Like, after no, the game? like water, Gatorade, Dude, Powerade, anything but beer. The, they're about to go to the club. Like, he's just. He's I just guess. Game in a little bit. You know. It's... I don't. I mean, you you've played sports before. Like, do you really want to after going and playing forty minutes in an NBA game? Do you really? It just, it just seems like a weird decision to me. Like, this is. Uh, well, I think it's it's funny that that you're so blown away by this because like this happens in every single MLB clubhouse after baseball games. I'm not yeah, saying baseball like, NBA, games. like obviously big difference in terms of the amount of physical exertion that's going on. But like, this is post showers. Yeah. You know, this is probably 25, 30 minutes. After <laughs> I'm picturing game. Clay gets off the court and immediately like, <laughs> starts like chugging. Is, Coors you know, Light. He, he's probably also Clay Thompson these days, not putting a ton of, not probably having to go through a, a ton of work on the court. Like he's well, he's not playing well. Out. Like maybe yeah. not. I wonder why he's not shooting so well. It's probably because he's drunk off Coors Light. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I think it would take him about ten to, to even catch okay. a buzz. Okay, um, all right, we're well, off track. glad glad that came on. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, this is something we always talk about and joke about every year, and we thought we'd finally bring it to a podcast. Who are your guys? Your guys heading into this draft? Not guys who you think are actually necessarily going to be good. <laughs> Uh, just guys that you kind of irrationally, for a lot of reasons, fall in love with. I know last year for you it was it was Jake Lehman, it was Dejounte Murray, um, Patrick McCaw. Patrick McCaw. I mean, for me it was kind of you know we went to the combine in, in Chicago and it was immediately Ben Bentel, DeAndre Bembry, Stunts. Tyler Tyler Ulis, yeah, all you know Stunts. studs like Ben <laughs> Bentel. And it, but that's the exact point of this. Right. It's like guys right. that you fall in love with. You know, you watch play a couple times and you, you, deep down you know they might not be good. But you like them anyway. Uh, so, who are your guys? Well, that's a weird uh, transition because I think we're both we're both including like one fairly good guy here, right? Maybe. Like, like so, the whole reason this kind of came up is I told you uh, a couple days ago that OG Ananobi, uh, small forward at Indiana, is going to be my guy this year. Yeah. Um, he's he's really just kind of everything like every NBA team wants as many of as they can get, which is wings that can guard up to three positions, can can shoot it, can can really defend, uh, just extremely projectable body. I mean, I, he's the type of guy that I think could get a ton better over the next two or three years. Uh, to me, I in the most recent update, I've been ranking the, the top ten prospects for the draft. I, I most recently moved him up to eight. Um, the thing with him is, like, at worst, you're getting, like, a really, really, really good defender yeah. who you can kind of hope you teach some decent offense. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, like, at worst, you're getting, like, a Trevor Ariza type of guy. And, right. And uh, that, that's totally fine. Every NBA team just hoards those guys. I mean, that, they're, they're so hard to get. When they hit the open market, they get, they get huge deals mm-hmm. relative to what, what people think they should get. Uh, and then this is... This is sort of a cop out um, because we just talked about some of these guys, but I mean it's it's Duke and Kansas. There's obviously going to be 
guys on those teams. Like there's eight there's eight pros at least that played in that game, and that's not even including the three that didn't suit up. Uh, Frank Jackson uh, for Duke, who we, who we just talked about, I, I, I really like, especially relative. To me, like a lot of this is how much do I like them relative to where they're currently projected to go. Uh, Frank Jackson to me is a is a easy top twenty guy, and and he's he's not really ranked that high anywhere. Uh, Luke Kennard's a guy that I think is going to go mid second round, something like that. I mean, he won't come out this year if that's the case, right? Um, when he does come out, it's going to be in the second round, probably in you know the middle to the back half of the second. round. I don't know, man. Like I think if he pl- if he stays like next year and is like a stud for them as a junior, well, the, the thing. So the thing is, like, yeah, he could have a better year if he stays again. But every every year of age that you add, like, NBA teams yeah. are going to drop you down their board. So, like, him coming back and having a better year, if he's a year older, doesn't necessarily help his stock. Yeah, but he's also not one of those – he's not like an Ananobi guy where you're like, man, five years down the road, Kennard's going to be nuts. It's like, right. you know what he is. Like, I think age for a guy like him is not all that much of a factor. Okay. Yeah. There's yeah. not this like tantalizing untapped potential with Luke Kennard. Yeah. No. That's that's a good point. Um, okay. But all right, I, who else? I think like I think he could be if he goes in the second. I think he's a steal. Mm. Uh, and then one more guy from those two teams, and then uh, and then I have a fifth guy for you. Uh, LeGerald Vick, who we talked about, yep, I yep. think is um, you know just a, a nasty athlete who who if he's if his shot kind of develops, he's he's a potentially starting two guard in the NBA, and then. Uh, this was tough for the for the fifth guy. Um, there was one guy who I was thinking about that I, I think you actually might go with because of a, a spoiler you dropped a little earlier in the the show, but I'm not going to go with him. Going to go with Kobe Simmons, uh, okay. Arizona Wildcat. Weird, kind that's of, crazy. You never talk about them. Kind of taking um, taking that that torch that that mantle of of great combo guards to come out of Arizona over the years. You know, your, your Jared Bayless, Jason Terry's. Miles Simons, Slim Gilbert Sotomayor, Arenas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- this is the next kind of guy. He's he's probably a, a late first, early second type of guy if he comes out this year. Six four. Uh, the the mechanics on the the shot are not exactly where I'd like them to be. He he kind of does a does sort of a weird jump uh, uh, when, when he when he releases and it is kind of way out in front of him. But he's he's shooting it well so far. He's he's really good at getting to the rack. I think he can play both guard spots. He's he's pretty athletic. Uh, just just gonna go with go with one of my guys. Who are, who are your five guys? One of your guys is one of your guys. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I, I the initial parameters we set is they can't be ranked in the top five of any of like the major sites. You know, Draft Express. You know, what have you. Uh, so I'm going to break that rule right away because uh, <laughs> this guy, I think, has jumped up quite a bit just because of what he's done through UCLA's first two games. But Lonzo Ball, one of my guys. Um, right. I I love these, like, quirky type of players who are just like – like, I love Michael Carter-Williams uh, coming out of uh, coming out of Syracuse just because, like, the, you know, the six seven point guard who can pass like crazy. Like, that's kind of what Ball is, but he's – a much better athlete than I realized uh, through even these first couple games with UCLA. I mean, he's been called the best passer to come into college basketball since Magic Johnson, you know, blah, 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 whether that's true or not. The best passer we'll since the best passer right. in the history of. Right. Yeah. I mean, but, but you know, you gotta, you gotta be good to draw these kind the of comps. The second best passer ever. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, sure. <laughs> and he's played two games. Um, but, you know, those, t- those type of players that are just so unique that there's, like, I'm going to watch more UCLA games this year than I have probably since the Aaron Aflalo days. And they actually played at night, uh, 10 p.m. Central uh, tip-off time. So hopefully we'll be able to catch that. Uh, so Lonzo Ball is one of my guys. Uh, a carryover from what would have been an all-first-team my guy last year, Justin Jackson from North Carolina. Um, he's you know freak athlete, super skinny, very you know very athletic. Even in the way that he shoots, you know he gets way up in the air. He kind of kicks the leg out a little bit. Hasn't really been consistent enough to to keep up with his potential. Like I mean, he could have came out last year and probably been like a late first round pick just because he's big and he's has room to add to that frame and he's athletic. But he just really hasn't played up to the level that like his body, I guess, says he should play. I think this is the year he he kind of emerges. Uh, so I think he'll be a lot of fun. Kennard is on my list. You said Justin Jackson, right? Yeah, Justin Jackson, not Josh Jackson. Uh, Luke Kennard is on my list. Miles Bridges is on my list. Um, Taco Fall, another quirky guy. He is seven foot six. I think he's going to be fun to watch. I think this is – he's kind of like like the second coming of like – do you remember Kenny George? Is that spelled how it sounds? Taco Fall. Uh, there's a K in Taco, uh, but yes. Do um, I remember Kenny – Yeah. Kenny George? Kenny George, like the 7-8 guy from UNC Asheville. Uh, who – he ended up losing like part of his foot to gangrene and that ended his career. <laughs> you know, like – as one does. Um, yeah, you would know this guy. He was a big deal. Like He was like a national story in, like I don't know, 2007 maybe. You would know. He was a big deal. If you followed college basketball, you would know. Um, I'll give you a little chance here. You, I just don't see how you could forget Kenny George. Big guy. Why do you want the next Kenny George? Uh, because Kenny George is like seven eight, that's why. Um, but I mean, yeah, I don't think Taco Fall is actually going to be all that good. It's just fun to watch. Kennedy Meeks. Who? How many guys do you get here? These are like honorable mentions. Okay, wait. So who? Where did your top five st- stop? It went Ball, Ball, Jackson, Kennard, Bridges, Bridges, and then I have like four centers that I like. So okay. I'm, I'm just going to say them all quickly and not talk about any of them. <laughs> uh, so Fall, Kennedy Meeks. Who you know, if you follow college basketball, sure. you know Meeks by now. Caleb Swanigan. That was the guy who, that I was gonna do. Oh, I watched I watched all of Purdue Villanova the other night and like he's just he is the definition of a junkyard dog. Like <laughs> okay. just like if there's not a more intimidating looking player in college it basketball, is. like he even went with the old school, like all black shoes and then like thick white socks yep. at the ankles, like yeah, just yeah. a just a retro, <laughs> like bruiser, Jason yeah. Maxiel like, type like, of look. He played on like the Van Gundy Knicks teams. Right. Yeah. Like he's like Anthony Mason, yeah. basically. A, a lot like Anthony like, Mason. He like can shoot Anthony threes Mason now. And, and Charles Oakley had a kid. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's such a good way to put it. Yeah. He's got, like, he's got a sweet fro. Like, he's he's like, like got a 7 4 wingspan. He's good. He's really, really like, good. He's, he's going to be fun. destroy the Big Ten this year. Yeah. Him and Haas. I mean, I don't know if you know, was he 7 yeah. 2 now, I think, Haas? Like, such a Big Ten set. Yeah. Well, Purdue's just like such a Big Ten team right now. Like, just pound every single possession is just pounding the post, pounding the post. And Swanigan's got range now. Like, his, you know, his, like, no, he does. He can shoot threes now. I know. He had a three-pointer blocked late in that game that would have tied I know he's shooting them and has made a couple, and I know he made a few It looks good, though. I mean, it looks as good as you could hope for him. For a guy who's, like, built like a linebacker, yeah, it looks pretty good. It's hard to imagine him, given... Given the wingspan, I mean, we talked about Giannis earlier. It's hard yeah. for guys like that to, to really shoot it that efficiently. To me, Swanigan, if he was even just two inches taller, yeah. he would have come out this this past year. It's good. But it's 
he I think he weighed under six eight without shoes. Uh, the vertical isn't really there. So like the the wingspan totally unathletic. Though. Almost gets a li- it, it's it's tough. I mean, I, I love him. I think that there's a legit chance, especially if he can even just shoot like thirty two percent from three, that he could be. Uh, starting like I mean, he could have uh, maybe even like a, a poor man Serge Ibaka type of career. I think he reminds but, me a lot of like a more physical Patrick Patterson. Okay, yeah, I mean that definitely goes the the junkyard dog route, right? Uh, well, real junkyardy. <laughs> one of these days, we'll have to put together our all junkyard team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's a good one. And uh, did you have one more? Uh, yeah, Tony Bradley. Uh, somebody who I, guy I, I don't know. I did a did a weird amount of research on him over the summer. He's a freshman, kind of like a. I think he was a five star, but he was like at the tail end of the like where five star turns to four star. Okay. Uh, he's drawn like very poor man's Tim Duncan comparisons, and like he's just does like from what I saw on tape. And again, it's high school, and he's like seven feet tall, so it's mm-hmm. very easy to look great. But like, he just does everything really well. <laughs> he's he's played limited minutes so far, you know, fifteen to twenty in their first few games, and like. He's not a type of guy that's going to have a freshman year good enough that he'll come out. And like North Carolina rarely really produces those type of guys. Um, but I think, you know, two, three years down the road, he could be like a John Henson type of player, probably a little more skilled overall than Henson is now or was back then. Uh, so, I mean, just somebody to keep an eye on, somebody who's not getting a lot of publicity uh, at North Carolina. Um, last thing I wanted to talk about Washington. Markel Fultz, a uh, guy who's atop many uh, mock drafts, you know, as of mid-November, and somebody who's probably going to be there, barring any sort of injury, uh, come June. Washington loses convincingly against Yale uh, late last week. I mean, is this going to be another Ben Simmons situation where Fultz just puts up insane numbers as he did against Yale, and they just don't have enough? Yeah, I I think that's exactly what's going to be to me if you're if you're fault it's it's all about how you handle this like it it really i mean like ben simmons kind of showed that it it doesn't really matter like he could still go number 1 uh to me you have to be a good teammate though like i i think if you go if you decide you're going to go to college for a year before you go to the nba there's a there's a several other things you could do you could sit out and just train by yourself you could go play in Europe. Like, if you're going to just go to college and, and go to a school like Washington, like, you don't want to be sort of sulky and pouty like Ben Simmons was all year in LSU and, and just kind of – I felt like he sort of dragged that team down. I mean, there's other guys on that team that, like, have aspirations of, of maybe sneaking into the dance this year. And especially if you're a point guard, I think that there's there's some responsibility there to, to really – you know, kind of be all in uh, on this season. I mean, they might not have have the guys to to get in, but I think the the LSU thing really went south, kind of halfway through the year when it started to look like they actually weren't going to get in. Like this time of year last year, everyone still kind of had LSU pegged as like getting in. Like, oh, I Even guess like midway through the year, yeah. everybody was like, ah, like they kind of had the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, like everyone was like, well, I guess they're not going to be like a top two or three seed, but you know, they'll get like an eight or nine seed. It'll be fine. Uh, it, if it gets to that point with with Washington and like it starts to really look like they're gonna have a trouble trouble getting in, just I think you gotta you gotta play it out and, and keep playing hard. It's 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 a tough spot to be in. I think it's it's kind of 
sad, especially, I mean, like, I, I like seeing all these, like, the only reason I watch college basketball is to watch the guys that are going to play in the yeah, NBA. Same like, if there same was, here. if there was no, uh, if there's a game on and there's not an NBA prospect in that game, I'm not watching it. Like, I don't even care like, right. if it's a tournament game. Like, I'm probably just not going to watch it. Uh, and I'm not going to be able to watch many Washington games this year because they're going to be a, a crappy team that's not going to be playing in these uh, televised tournaments. And that really sucks because I want to see Markel Fultz. And I I kind of wish that guys, you know, if, if you – like who knows why he went to Washington? Like why the, the exact specifics are, but I think you have to be honest with yourself if you're a prospect of Fultz or Simmons caliber and say to yourself like, "Whoa, what's what's important to me? Like, is it is it important that I go to the NCAA tournament? Because if it is, it's been kind of proven at this point that you're not going to be able to drag a team like that in just because mm-hmm. you're awesome. So. I think if you, if you matters to you about uh, going to the NCAA tournament, you, you got to go to a better school. If it doesn't matter and college just doesn't really matter to you at all, like you don't have to go. Like nobody's <laughs> nobody's making you go for a semester mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of play thirty games, uh, thirty two games or whatever. Right. Like if I'm if I'm Markel Fultz and I don't give a crap about going to the big dance, I'm gonna go play in Europe and and hang out in in Spain and Italy and Portugal, and that's going to be a hell of a good time. Right. And then I'm going to well, still get drafted in the top five. And yeah, I mean, fine. that's true. I do think it's overrated, though, or underrated, I should say, like the factor of just going overseas for, like, a lot of these guys, yeah, they travel during AAU, but, like, I don't know if I, as, like, you know, a totally unrecruited senior in college, like, I don't know if, if I would have been, like, oh, I can go, like, hang out with some friends I know who are going to this school, you know, as, as, like, a transition, or I can go to a foreign country I've never, you know, in some cases, like, don't even, like, you, some of these, these guys don't know anything about life in Italy or Israel or whatever. Like, I think it's that's kind of daunting. It is a lot easier to say as a as a 29-year-old that I, I would go over there because, like, right. I'd much rather, right now, I'd much rather be in Europe than really anywhere in the U.S. Uh, Come on. But... But I mean, I guess if if you're 18 or whatever, yeah, you want to go hang out with like the cute chicks in the in the Pac-12. I get that, but um, I mean, you could do that at UCLA or, or Arizona and, right. and still be on a really good team. Okay, is, it, is this just a pitch for like Arizona recruiting? <laughs> go to Arizona, kids. Uh, <laughs> cute chicks. <laughs> All right, well that'll wrap it up. Uh, I believe the the three amigos are on the pod tomorrow, so we'll be be switching gears pretty drastically back toward the NBA. Uh, but we'll we'll keep talking. Uh, college basketball periodically on this podcast throughout the year we'll, we'll keep certainly checking back in on uh, all the prospects that matter as the 2017 NBA draft approaches it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.